podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The dream is made real. Ricky Howard rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia, he's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I am your host, Sean, and this is this week's Big Fight Preview. Unfortunately, there is no Johnston on the podcast today, and he has sent us some voice notes in for some of the fights, which is great, so you will get to hear his opinion on a few of the fights that we are covering for this episode. So this weekend, we have Ryan Garcia versus Oscar Duarte. That is on the zone. On the undercard is O'Hara Davis versus Ishmael Barroso for the interim WBA Super Lightweight Championship. We've got Michael Conlon versus Jordan Gill in what feels like a little bit of a last chance saloon for both of these guys. And on the undercard, we've got Tyrone McKenna, Lewis Crocco. We've got Ajarko versus William Williamson. We've got McComb versus Maxwell. We've got some pretty decent fights coming up this weekend. It isn't a star-studded weekend per se, but it certainly is going to provide us some decent fights as we lead up towards the end of the year. We've got Devin Haney versus Regis Progray coming up next weekend. Then we've got the Day of Reckoning show also coming up. We've got the fight with Naoa Inoue and Tapalas coming up on Boxing Day. So there's still quite a few good events coming up before the year is out but this episode is the big fight preview for this weekend focusing on the fights that i have mentioned and i'm going to start with the ryan garcia oscar duarte fight now of course you've been following ryan garcia's career as we have as well and this is now an opportunity for him to come back into the fold after picking up his first loss of his career in the fight with Gervonta Davis in April of this year. And it's not really an easy fight for him to come back because Duarte, from what I've seen, is he's a good test. He's a good fighter to come back against because this will give Garcia a little bit of a confidence booster if he is to beat Duarte. Now, Duarte has actually got, a, a, on paper, a really good record. 26-1-1, the only defeat coming to Estrella in 2019. But, and you look to the depths of his resume, and it is quite padded, I'll be honest. So, it feels a little bit like they've given Garcia, uh, someone who knows the way around the ring, someone who is a, a, a relatively decent boxer, but maybe is a little bit of a level below where Garcia is in his career. And it's a good opportunity for Garcia then to, to build that confidence back up if he's looking to get back into another big fight. What's Garcia got to do, guys? What has he got to do to get himself back up there now? Now he's took that big fight with Davis and, and been humbled by Davis. For me, it's now about him building himself up and taking good fights this is a comeback fight of course after the back of a loss so if he goes in there and beats Duarte convincingly that's great but he needs to move on in his career from there he needs to start looking at the bigger fights like we look at his resume and the best name on his resume that he's got a victory over is probably Luke Campbell barring that 
he hasn't got a, a fantastic resume, but yet he's had 24 fights. So for me now, if he gets this victory and he moves forward in his career, he needs to start looking around at bigger names in the division. In you yeah, look at look at the names we've got around at the moment. Like we've got Pedraza, we've got O'Hara Davis, obviously who we will be talking about. We've got Jose Carlos Ramirez, Sabrayo Matias, who obviously won last weekend. We've got some decent names going on here. Arnold Barbos a junior, Richardson Hitchens, and obviously we've got Regis Progre, Tiafimo Lopez. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing a Garcia Lopez fight at some point down the line, or maybe Garcia will be lined up to fight in the future. The WBA champion, obviously, Roly Romero holds the title, but because of injury, it's now having this fight between O'Hara Davis and Ishmael Barroso for the interim version, with the winner of that facing Roly Romero, of course. So there are opportunities and, and avenues for Garcia to go down, but I would like to see him come back and do it in a in, in an emphatic fashion. I'd essentially want him to stop Duarte to make an impact. And then what I'd want to see him do is is go in and, and take a fight with one of these other top 10 guys. That That's me saying that that's what I want to see him do. But whether we get that, obviously, is a, is a different thing, whether it's something that his team are going to take him down in terms of, of routes to, to the top again and routes to the big fights again. When I've looked at both of these fighters going into it, I ultimately see Garcia being too fast, too slick, too quick for a fighter like Duarte, who isn't Javonta Davis, who isn't going to be able to pick his punches as well as Davis does, who isn't going to apply the same level of pressure as Davis did. Javonta Davis, as we know, is an exceptional fighter. I don't think Oscar Duarte is. That's why I think this fight will go to Ryan Garcia. Like I said earlier, I'd like to see him stop Duarte. I'd like to see him get that win in that way. If he doesn't, he needs to get a, a comprehensive win and show that he's he's back and you know he's had a slip up in his career and now he needs to move forward. And that's one of the main fights of the weekend. But the other one that has got a lot of intrigue in my mind is this Michael Conlon and Jordan Gill fight. Now, before I talk about that, I am going to allow Johnston to come in with his voice note and talk about the Garcia and Duarte fight and let you guys listen to what he has to say, essentially, with what he thinks is going to go down in this fight. So here's Johnston talking about this particular fight coming up this weekend. Hello, everyone. Um, shame I couldn't be on the show, so I'm sending a voice note over for this fight between Ryan Garcia and Oscar Duarte. So it's great to see Ryan Garcia back in action following his comprehensive defeat against Tank Davis. He now has a new trainer in Derek James, the BTR Boxing Trainer of the Year in 2022. And he's also fighting a new division. So the 25-year-old is beginning a new chapter in his game where he's also starting afresh. So starting with Garcia, he is an excellent prospect, irrespective of his loss, who has impeccable hand speed and a dangerous left hook and a clinical counter-puncher. As we have said many times on the show, you're only as good as your last fight, and well, that didn't quite go to plan. Therefore, many are writing off Garcia. For me, he's still a talent that can learn more from his defeat against Tank, more than any of his victories beforehand. He came through adversity against Luke Campbell back in 2021 and to his credit he managed to regroup in that fight and finish him. 
Another good win against Javier Fortuna for Garcia. And uh, his point, you know, after the Fortuna fight, he was considered to be a genuine star in the making. Problem was, he came up against a fellow star in Tank Davis, who proved why he is considered to be one of the best fighters in the world right now. And he's got unbelievable power, Tank. There's no doubt in that whatsoever. So moving on to Oscar Durate, who is a dangerous opponent and has the potential to cause Garcia a lot of problems and whose sole defeat came against Adrian Estrada in 2019. Now, that was a controversial loss, and so I suggested that he should still be an elite fighter. Since then, he has been in destructive form, knocking out or stopping 11 opponents consecutively, albeit against modest opposition, and he has obviously fought on that Mexican circuit, which is also a tough circuit to fight on. He is that typical Mexican fighter with that typical Mexican style of coming forward with relentless pressure, who refuses to back down. He will not be easy to deter. And and as well, he's been never been significantly hurt, which does make people question whether Garcia's got enough power to stop him in his tracks of him being Mexican fighter, not really being significantly hurt. Can Garcia hurt him? So, how do I see this fight going and who wins? I still believe that Ryan Garcia will improve and we are yet to see the best of him. Now, his decision to link up with Derek James, I feel is a wise move and I also feel that their partnership will be a successful. They, for me, are the right fit at the right time and it will pay dividends in this fight and going forward in Ryan Garcia's career. But it... Garcia's become, or he will become, I feel, more of that boxer-puncher-type style, which I think will gel well with his speed and his counter-punching skills when working with Derek James. Both are going to be vital for Garcia against Durate, who does leave himself vulnerable to that counter, sometimes can be a bit square, because he throws a lot of shots, he does leave himself open. Garcia should fight on the back foot, I feel. I don't feel he should be coming forward as much as what we see when he was under... Uh, Joe Goosen, where he's been a bit more aggressive, I feel like he needs to fight on the back foot. He needs to allow Durate to walk into his fast and accurate counters. But he will need his power to be significant enough to stop Durate in his... He needs to make him miss and he needs to make him pay. If he doesn't and he allows Durate to land and push him back, then Garcia will be in for a very long night and could end up becoming a... And that's why people feel this is a potential banana for Ryan Garcia's return. I don't see this happening. I see Garcia landing and I actually see him hurting Durate. I see Garcia boxing confidently as the rounds progress. And I feel that he's going to come away with a points win. But I wouldn't be surprised if he did stop Durate at some point with a lucky cap, not a lucky, a nice precise counter punch hurts him and could put him away. However, is Durate tough? We just don't know how tough he is yet because he hasn't really been in and been tested against a real signal opponent. And we're going to find out against Garcia. On a side note, for those that do like a bet, Durate by KO seems to be where the money is. But not for me. Garcia on points is probably the safe bet. If playing safe in boxing is everything. Well, there we go. That's Johnston's analysis of what he thinks is going to happen in this particular fight between Garcia and Duarte. So I am going to move on to the Conlon-Gill fight in the SSE Arena in Belfast. Another big weekend for Irish boxing. Michael Conlon, Jordan Gill in the super featherweight division. I said it earlier, 
it does feel very much like a last chance saloon fight. Michael Conlon coming off the back of a loss earlier this year to Luis Alberto Lopez in that challenge for the IBF World Featherweight title. Now, we know what happened in that fight. We felt he came out too aggressive. He tried to slug with a slugger. He didn't use it. the boxing ability that he possesses to be able to outbox Lopez. And he came a cropper in the fifth round and got stopped by Lopez. So now he faces Jordan Gill, who a few years ago was, was touted to potentially become a world champion. But unfortunately for him, it just hasn't panned out for him either. feel like him and Conlon are kind of, you know, they're in that same position really, where like you look at the careers of both of them and, you know, when they've stepped up to, to certain levels, they've not been able to, to deliver on that level. Now, I know people are going to say, well, look at the, the fight with Lee Wood. Conlon was outboxing him until he got stopped in that final round. It doesn't matter if he was outboxing him or not. At the end of the day, he got beat. He got stopped. He wasn't able to see that all the way through to the end. And with Jordan Gill, he had his first loss in 2019 against Mario Enrique Tinoco. That was a bit of a shock when he lost in eight rounds to Tinoco. But then he came back and, you know, he went on a, a pretty decent run. He knocked out Karim Gweffi in 2022, which is a, a mutual opponent. And then he goes in against Kiko Martinez late last year in what was going to really put him in that position to be in with an argument to fight potentially for a world title in the future. And he got stopped in four rounds by Kiko. So both of these fighters are coming off the back of losses to significant fighters in the respective divisions. When you look at the fight, it's a move up again for Jordan Gill going up to super featherweight. Obviously, he'd been previously fighting down at featherweight. So has he got the power and has he got the speed still to be able to make a dent on Michael Conlon in this fight? It really is going to be interesting because I genuinely believe this is a last chance saloon. And I know I love the saying. I just think it's a point of the careers where they've failed in their attempts at pushing themselves to the highest levels and they're at a point where if they don't get a significant win now then really this this attempt at going for world titles is, is really over for them whoever loses this fight for me their attempts at world titles again is effectively over because I can't see how they would be able to get themselves back into a position where people would legitimately look at them as challengers for a world title. Michael Conlon, to me, has the, the better boxing ability than Jordan Gill. I think Jordan has got better over the years, but I just I can't see past Conlon getting a victory in this particular fight because I think Conlon's skills, his abilities, I think he's got more in the locker than what I think Jordan has. I'm not discrediting Jordan as a fighter. I just I believe in what I've seen that Michael Conlon's a better fighter and I think you know with there being so much at stake for the pair of them here I could genuinely see Conlon walking away with the victory and effectively putting an end to Jordan Gill's career but if it was Jordan who got the victory I think it effectively puts Conlon's career at a halt really because I can't see where both of them can go so I am interested to see how how this plays out and you know whether it goes the distance whether there'll, there'll be a knockout in this fight how It'll play out whether one of them will just completely fall apart overnight. I'm genuinely interested because I know how much these guys have got on the line for this fight. So I'm going to bring Johnston in again to give his opinion on the fight and what he thinks is going to happen in this one. 
So here's the second fight we're going to discuss. Uh, Michael Conlon versus Jordan Gill. So this fight in particular, I'm not completely sold on this fight. The selling point or the angle they're using is the fact that this is pretty much the last chance saloon for both these fighters, which clearly adds a little bit more spice and adds a bit more pressure on both fighters. So I can see the element here. But let's get into it. Let's kickstart Michael Conlon, who was now linked up with Pedro Diaz. And for those who don't know Diaz, he headed the Cuban team before Olympic Games as head coach, winning a number of world championships, collecting a lot of gold medals along the way. And then he moved on to the Dominican Republic team in 2008 Games, where the country won its first ever boxing gold medal. The guy's got some decent credentials. Uh, the Miami-based Cuban also led Miguel Cotto into his fight against Floyd Mayweather back in 2012, for those that remember that. Although Cotto obviously pushed Floyd hard, he obviously lost that fight. He's also guided world champions such as Rigandau, Can uh, or Zucan, sorry, and Ivan Baranchik. So he's got some real credibility, the guy. Mick has suffered two bad losses in his career in the Lee Wood fight. He boxed well, putting Wood down in the first round and ultimately lost the BTR Boxing's domestic fight of the year for 2022. Knocked out the rings, a bad one. Although he did he did recover with a couple of wins, probably the most significant of those two was against Kareem Gurphy because obviously he's a shared opponent with Jordan Gill. Um, he was stopped quite brutally against Luis Alberto Lopez in his last fight, which wasn't good at all. But Lopez... He's a very good fighter, as we know. So we're moving to Jordan Gill. And Jordan Gill's also made a change in camp. He's left Dave Caldwell after a lot of years working with him. And he's brought in his dad, Paul Gill, as the new trainer. Now, where I can see the positive aspect of Mick joining up with Diaz and leaving Adam Booth, I don't see how this change is going to be a positive move for Jordan. Just my opinion. And reading him... Between the lines here, he seems a bit more interested in work within the community. He recently started the Jordan Gill Next Generation scheme to help youngsters follow their dreams, which is commendable, but does make me think that he now has a foot out the door away from boxing. I'm just not sure that he has that same hunger and the desire that he once had to try and progress his career, even though he's the younger fire of the two. His loss to Kiko Martinez must have been a sobering one for Jordan. Which for me, it just proved that he's not at world level or that he ever will be. I mean, Martinez has been there, but should never have been getting knocked out the way he did. His win over a common opponent, Karim Gurphy, who uh, obviously we just mentioned earlier, in a come-behind knockout also makes me believe that this is a fight that Conlon should be winning quite, quite comprehensively, in my opinion. So how do I see this fight going? Well, look, without giving too much away already, if I haven't already, uh, Conlon's experience at world level should and probably will be the difference. Yes, he's been stopped twice, but against two of the best in the division. So if he corrects his mistakes, he will be, once again, at world level. I feel that if he can just make those adjustments, he can be a, a threat. Jordan will need to land the right shot at the right time, and uh, which could put Mick in trouble again. But he's not a big puncher, let's face it. He will need to frustrate Condon, really, and he's going to need to use his boxing skills, which he's got. 
definitely, definitely got good boxing skills and he needs to use that to take advantage and then he would take a surprising victory. I mean, it's in Belfast. It'd be, very, it'd be a real upset if Conlon don't win for him. I don't think there's... Yeah. So, however, look, bringing in Pedro Diaz will help Mick Conlon more than Gil, obviously. Uh, he's going to identify and correct his flaws whilst also bringing out more strengths within his boxing abilities, which he clearly has. Conlon seems to have had a resurgence of energy in the interviews I've read, a, a real change of heart, and this will be a significant factor in his performance, making him too sharp and too disciplined for Jordan Gill. For me, there is a gap in class between these two. One in Mick Conlon, who is on the fringes of a world title and still might get his dream night of finally winning a world championship, while the other is at European level. And no way... In, in any shape or form, do I ever believe he will be a world champion? I just don't see him ever ever happening. Or I think the tie's passed for Jordan now. So I'm going to go for a Mick Conlon win. Uh, it would be a shock if he doesn't. And I sway towards a stoppage at any time, which I had a quick look. It's five to six with Paddy Power. But a KO or a TKO under six rounds is a four to one bet and probably where the money is. So for me, I'm going to go Mick Conlon for a stoppage at any time. Well, there we go. Johnson thinks Conlon. It's uh, not a surprise, really, to me that, that he believes that Conlon's going to win this fight and probably stop Jordan. I, I think he's he's probably the bigger puncher. He's probably got more boxing ability, as I've said, before Johnson came in and gave his thoughts on it. Uh, again, I, I just don't know what to expect because you just don't know with these guys and, and genuinely what they've both got left. I think I agree with Johnson when he talks about Conlon you know, being likely to go on and do something further in the sport if he was to win this fight he's more likely to go on to be able to win a world title possibly quite possibly I'm not saying he will but he's got I think he's got more of a chance than Jordan has and with him obviously linking up with his father Jordan I don't know what the intentions are behind that and I think at this stage of his career what is that gonna bring to him at this moment in time is it I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to bring you anything new, I wouldn't have thought. Maybe it's just a relationship he feels is better. And as Johnson said, maybe he's also got one foot out of the door of the sport already and this would be potentially a decent payday for him. So you've got to think of things like that and think about the, the desire and the hunger and is it still there? And I'm sure if it is, we'll see it. But we'll know. We'll know pretty early on in the fight whether it isn't. So I am looking forward to seeing what happens between the two of them because genuinely I think we could potentially see the end of Jordan Gill or Michael Conlon if if neither of them gets those well that W at the weekend so that's the main fight for that particular card in Belfast I did mention a few other fights on the card which I think are going to be good actually Tyrone McKenna versus Lewis Crocker I think he's a good fight so a good step up this for Lewis Crocker I think he you know if he was to get a win against McKenna that's a that's a good statement for him in his career, but you can't count McKenna out just yet because people have done that before and sometimes he, he pulls up them upsets when the, the chips are against him. So looking forward to, to that one. We've got Ajako versus Williamson, which I think will be a really good fight in the super welterweight division. I think we've been waiting for Ajako to, to get this this fight that I think he's been needing for, for quite some time. So I am looking forward to, to seeing this one. Uh, Sean McCoon versus Sam Maxwell, I think he's also another good fight because, again, you've got two fighters at this stage of the career that need another another boost, another another win. You know, both of them have got 
losses on their record. Sean McComb, you know, you look at his career and, and, and look at the last time he lost a fight. That was against Gavin Gwynn two years ago. But if you look at, obviously, Sam Maxwell, he lost his fight to, to Dalton Smith. So he's kind of been pushed a bit more forward. And I think it's another one of those big fights domestically for these two guys. So I'm looking forward to a, a four of them fights on this card. It also is made up by Fergus Quinn, Cameron Vuong, Gerard Hughes and Emmanuel Buttigieg. That makes up the card in Belfast. And I mentioned earlier, the other fight that we wanted to cover, wanted to speak about is, of course, O'Hara Davis and Ishmael Barroso. To be honest, I'm surprised Barroso's still going. Like he's, uh, He just seems to have been around forever, but he's got this opportunity now, coming off the back of his last fight, of course, which people felt was... I think when he lost to Roly Romero, I think they felt he was a little bit hard done to. He, they felt like the fight was stopped when it shouldn't have been stopped. And I think as a result of, of that, it was a good performance from, from Barroso, but because of the stoppage and I think the performance with there being a little bit of controversy around it I think this is why he's been given this opportunity again to fight for an interim version of the title that he fought for when it was vacant earlier this year with Romero being injured that fight was supposed to take place as a rematch between these two and now as a result O'Hara Davis gets his opportunity to become the interim version of the champion and potentially then fight Romero if he was to beat Ishmael Barroso. So how do, how do I think this fight plays out? I, I think what I've seen is that Barroso still has something left in the tank. He reminds me a little bit of Kiko Martinez, who you can just never count out. But I do think age has caught up with him. I think when you look through the Romero fight as the round started to to tick on, you could see the, the stamina was starting to wane. That is this is kind of why I felt like it was a little bit controversial that he was stopped, but would it have been stopped a little bit later if Romero would have carried on putting that pressure on? Who knows? We, we don't know now. But I think for me, Davies is the type of fighter which will, will kind of revel at someone like Barroso coming at him because he's got a really good punch selection. I think he's improved greatly. From his earlier days, his mentality, his attitude outside of the ring seems to have been a lot better. And, you know, his last couple of fights, he, he's got really, really decent wins. And I think you look at the, the victories he's had over the past three, four years, he's, he's got some decent wins. You know, he had the win over Miguel Vasquez. He beat Jeff Afore, Tyrone McKenna. He beat Lewis Ritson emphatically in his last fight earlier this year. I think he's uh, he's worked his way into this position. And he's deserved of this opportunity, absolutely. He's got to get past Barroso, and I think he's got to do it in an emphatic fashion. He's got to beat him and stop him the way Roly Romero did it, albeit it was a little bit controversial, the stoppage. You probably felt like it should have gone on a little bit longer. But I think if he was to stop Barroso, then it puts a really good potential fight between Davis and and Romero on the map because Davies will be the interim champ. Romero will be the full WBA super lightweight champion. And, and that's essentially the fight that I would like to see now at this point. I think Davies has earned his shot, deserves his shot. So he just needs to get past Barroso. And I think he will. I think he will be able to grind out Barroso into the later rounds. And, and judging off his last few fights, I think he could 
I think he could stop him later on in the fight. I, I, in fact, if I'm going to be a prediction on this one, I think I'm going to go with a, a late stoppage for O'Hara Davis. Uh, I just can't see past Davis getting the victory here, whether he goes the distance and he beats him or or late stoppage. I'm going for late stoppage in this one against Barroso. And, you know, I, I hate writing fighters off. I, I don't, like, not want to give a fighter a chance, but I just think... From what I've seen Barroso recently, I just think he's, his age is catching up with him. And yes, he's still got some some good tricks and, and good skills in the locker. But I think you can tell that everything's starting to decline now. And I think someone who's younger, like Davis, will take advantage of that. And I think he'll, he'll get the victory. So again, Johnston has also given another note of his opinion for this particular fight. So I'm going to play his note now and let you guys hear what Johnston has to say about O'Hara Davis and Ishmael Barroso. So there is one other fight I did want to mention very briefly, and that is a fight that's on the undercard of Ryan Garcia against Oscar Durante. And that fight is between O'Hara Davis and Ishmael Barroso. And I feel that this fight is probably the next significant for me. I think it overshadows Gil and Conlon, which is obviously over in Belfast. It's an opportunity for the Londoner, Davis, to get himself into a position where he can win a world title. So the Davis Barroso fight is actually an interim title. Davis currently the mandatory challenger for the WBA title, which is held by Ronnie Romero. He won his limited against Lewis Ritson, so therefore he is the number one contender. And he's on a great winning streak, I think a seven-fight winning streak, not, not lost since 2018. He did lose, of course, to Catterall and Taylor, two guys that are at world level or on the verge of world level in terms of Catterall, is he or isn't he? We'll, we'll find out. I feel that he probably is. Either way, he's got another shot and he deserves his shot. He's worked really hard to get himself into this position. Uh, Barroso, a 40-year-old guy from Venezuela, been around the block for a while. Most recent fight, he lost to Romero by a ninth round stoppage for that WBA title, which effectively he lost. He's getting another crack at it, uh, uh, this interim title. And if he comes through it against Davis, then he will get another shot in a rematch. Um, do I believe that's going to happen? No, I don't. Although the Venezuelan's got, a, you know, it, he's a solid fire. He's, he's got power. He's 40. And let's be honest, you know, and when you look at Davis's other significant victories, it's difficult for me to not pick Davis. I, I feel that Davis has just got such a great opportunity. If if, if you had said to him, you, you've got to fight Ishmael Barroso, and if you win that, you will get a world title shot, and it's going to be against Roddy Romero, I think he would have snapped your hands off. I mean, look, the wins over Tyro, Tyro McKenna, um, and Lewis Ritson in particular, I think they're two very good wins for Davis, and I expect him to come through against Barroso. He's going to have his challenge, you know, he's a southpaw Barroso, and he's going to be tricky. But I feel like it's, it's written in the stars for Davis. I think he'd become, he's already mandatory, and he will definitely, he should be given a chance for that WBA title next year. That being said, he's on the under card of Ryan Garcia. If Ryan Garcia can get through his fight, I'm sure he will be targeting Rolly Romero, who's got a massive target on his back at the minute because I don't feel that, although he's a world champion, I don't believe he's the best in this division. So, for that reason, now I'm just going back to this fight, I feel that O'Hara Davis is is going to fulfil his dream and get a world title, another world title opportunity. And I think he could will win, win one. To be honest with you, if he can get that Romero fight, 
But what an opportunity. He's fighting 40-year-old Venezuelan. Yes, he's been around the block and he's going to be tricky. He's got a bit of power. But I think Davis come through. So, um, yeah, that's why I wanted to mention his fight. So good luck to O'Hara Davis. And it's definitely a fight I think you guys should be looking out for. Well, there you go. Johnston feels pretty much the same as, as what I do with this fight. And we'll see what happens. We'll see if it's going to be a significant victory for Davis. And I'm genuinely looking forward to the, the three main fights we've actually discussed on the show and obviously with the mentions of other fights happening over the weekend but what i'm also wanting to mention is there is a an interesting fight on friday and gavin Gwynn fighting for the vacant european lightweight title against 47 year old and undefeated in 43 fights emiliano Massilli. now this is the same emiliano Massilli that stopped derry matthews way back in 2013 Yet at 47 years of age, he's still cracking on. And this is uh, an interesting fight because I remember him being a, a, a tough cookie. And that was 10 years ago when he was 37, knocking out Derry Matthews. He's now 47. And okay, let's be honest, you look at his record and he hasn't fought any real fighters, any significant fighters, in my opinion, since the Derry Matthews fight. He's basically gone back to Italy and just fought all different guys over a, a number of years and he's now in a position now where you know he's got the opportunity to fight for the European title he's held a European Union lightweight title he's held an IBO Mediterranean lightweight title he's had quite you know he's quite a few different sort of minor minor titles you know minor achievements in his career I think this is an opportunity for him but when I've looked at Gavin and Marsili at a press conference today, I'm thinking there's a bit of a difference here in height between them and physical advantages. And we've watched Gavin Gwynn for the last few years and, and seen how he's a very good pressure fighter. He, you know, he likes to cut the ring down. He likes to bully his opponents. Uh, Marsili, you know, he, he was a good boxer. Has he got anything left to trouble Gavin Gwynn? Can he outbox Gavin Gwynn? Can he bully Gavin Gwynn? I'm not so sure he can do that in this fight. It's, it's great that he's got an opportunity. And he's still undefeated at 47 years of age. But I'm going to be totally honest and say that I think Gavin Gwynn wins this fight. And it's another good moment for, for Gavin Gwynn in his career. You know, you look at how he's done over the past couple of years and... You know, he's had some really interesting fights. He's won the British lightweight title. He's been involved in some great fights. He's won the, the Commonwealth title. He's For me, he's had some really, really good fights over the past few years. His biggest one being, of course, against Joe Cardina when he was for the British and Commonwealth titles in 2019. And he lost that one on points in what was a, a, a really decent fight between the two of them. So I feel like Gavin's got a, a moment here to shine and... And, and really achieve something at this stage of his career where he's moving on from British and Commonwealth to the European level. And, uh, and I genuinely hope he does it, to be honest. He's a really nice guy. You know, he's been on the show before. He's been on our Ones to Watch show earlier on in his career. So, you know, in, in, in a way, I'm kind of rooting for him. But I'm also interested to see what Marcelli actually brings to the table at 47 years of age and being undefeated of course he's never tasted that moment in his career so far so we'll get to see that on friday at york hall there's another good fight between brad strand and joshua john for the wbo european super bantamweight title raven chapman is also on the card we've got sam noakes against carlos perez 
also on the card. And Moses Aitama is also fighting. He's been really active, him, recently. I'm really sort of impressed with his, his start to his career. This is his seventh professional fight this year alone. And it's really good that he's getting getting these in. He's still only 18. And I think when you look at his activity levels so far... You know, okay, he's you know he's not knocking everyone over. He's had a few points decisions and a couple of TKOs and a KO, uh, but it's the experience level. I think that's really good at his young age that he's he's getting all this experience now and he's he's building up this resume. And for me, it's not about the resume build up. It's more about his the experience he's getting at your young age. And you know, as he starts to to progress over the next two to three years, I think if he continues to go the way he's going, then. By the age of 23, 24, you're going to be looking at a, 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 a potential, and I say potential because we don't know where he's going to go, yet, a potential future heavyweight star. Obviously, it all remains to be seen, of course, but it's good that he's really active. I think that's really good about him is that they're getting him out there on a regular basis. So this is his seventh fight in 12 months, which I think is great. I mean, not many fighters do that in this day and age, so it's really good that he's got that. Royston Barney-Smith also features... And Uma Khan and Sonny Ali also feature on this Frank Warren show on the Friday night. Well, that is it from me for this Big Fight Preview episode. And just going to take a couple of minutes for a bit of housekeeping. Now, I wanted to let you guys know that the Legendary Nights podcast is back. Season 4 is on its way to you on the 11th of December. If you haven't already seen the season four promotional video across social media. Please go and have a quick nosy at it and make sure you share it across social media as well. Let's drum up the interest for Legendary Nights. It's been over a year since we released Legendary Nights. Season three came out in the summer of 2022, finishing around September 2022. And it has been a little bit delayed coming out this year. We ideally wanted it to be out a little bit sooner than where it is, but it is coming to you on the 11th of December. We have got an introductory episode coming on the 4th of December. So if you want to hear Manny Johnston's thoughts and feelings about how we've put this season together, a bit of a peek behind the curtains, so to speak, that is also going to be available on the 4th. And then the first episode comes out on the 11th. We, of course, will have a second episode out on the 18th. There is going to be a Christmas break. So on the 25th, Monday the 25th is Christmas Day. So we won't be releasing that particular third episode or fourth episode on New Year's Day. We're going to leave that for the second week of January. And we're going to then give you the remainder of the season. So the other eight episodes will be coming out then week by week from around the second week of January. Of course, we've got to try and fit in our end of year show. We've got our boxing wish list show to do. There's a couple of big fight previews to do before the end of the year as well. So we are really, really stacked with what we're trying to get out for you guys before the end of the year. So I do apologize if there are bits of content that we we really wanted to get out a little bit sooner and we've not been able to do so. But I do appreciate the patience of everybody. And I know quite a few years are really excited that the Legendary Night Show is back. So please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on any available podcasting app out there. It is the Legendary Nights podcast. You can find it on the BTR Boxing Podcast main feed. It will also be released on there on a weekly basis as well. And I want to say thank you, as always, to the patrons of the podcast. 
Thank you so much, guys, for continuing to support us. For those that are relatively new to Patreon.com, thank you for joining us. Thank you, and I hope you've enjoyed your access to ad-free episodes, patron-only content, and, of course, you'll be getting earlier access to the Legendary Night season as well. If you are not a patron and you want to have a look and are potentially interested in getting additional content and ad-free versions and early access to episodes, then you can visit patreon.com forward slash BTR Boxing Podcast, and we do have a number of tiers which will allow you to get different benefits of being a patron of that particular tier. And of course, you're supporting us, just two guys like yourselves that are just boxing fans that love the sport, that love delivering these shows to you, that love delivering the stories to you of boxing history. And we really, really appreciate the support from you, but not just from the patrons, from everybody. We appreciate the support from absolutely everybody that listens to the show, whether you listen to it on YouTube and you've got it on in the background. We really, really appreciate the support that you're giving us. And also the comments as well, the comments that are being dropped on Spotify. I keep mentioning it every week. The reason being is because Spotify have added that feature in now where you can actually make a comment on the episode and it is really appreciated. So thank you to everybody that is dropping comments in the comment section of each episode. It is really appreciated. It is really good to see. And what I will try to do, guys, is I'll try to start reading some of these comments out for other people uh, for that are not on spotify maybe that can hear what other people have got to say about the show or the episodes or any thoughts and feelings about what we've discussed so there you go guys that is everything for this episode thank you for listening to the big fight preview on the btr boxing podcast network Podcast Network.